Hello and welcome to the Sporting Backbone podcast. I'm Daniel Stacey and I'm joined by my co-host today, John Whiffin, Will Pye and Kian Ward. Today's guest is a physio at Herne Bay Football Club and has been for the past three seasons. She has also worked in ice hockey and rugby, is a lecturer at the University of Kent and has run her own sports rehabilitation business. Georgina Dean, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, obviously... As I mentioned, you're a, you're a physio at Herne Bay Football Club at the minute um, mm-hmm. and have worked in a number of sports. So, f- firstly, how well, why physiotherapy and how did you get into it? I originally got into it back uh, when I was much younger. Um, I had an injury myself, really enjoyed sort of the rehab side of it. And then I went to university to study sports therapy and rehabilitation, uh, a bachelor's. Um, and then off the back of that, I worked in rugby. Um, for two years and eventually made my way into ice hockey and then into football. Perfect. Um, So I assume you were a rugby fan yourself then to get into that or was that just uh, the the sport that was was offering jobs at the time? Well, I I like rugby. Um, Wouldn't say I know the rules. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to. (laughs) But Fortunately for my job role, you don't really need to. Um, I I suppose in rugby, it's just run on the pitch and deal with the many bodies of injured bodies that are bodies cast around the field. I like a challenge. So I went for the most challenging sport I think um, you can generally get into. Um, And I I felt like it was the one that was going to give me the most exposure to the most injuries. Um, So from a learning experience, I thought it'd be pretty good. You, you mentioned that it's the most challenging sport there. What, why would you say that is? Uh, because of the amount of injuries. It, just the, the volume of them, yeah. Uh, would you say... Yeah. Would you say... Because obviously, we'll just uh, jump onto the fact that, as I mentioned, you, you've done ice hockey and, and football as well. So mm-hmm. would you say that rugby is not only the, the highest quantity of injuries, but also uh, the sort of most severe as well? Um, I mean, I've had some pretty severe... From, from my own experience, I've had some pretty severe injuries in ice hockey and football but I think the variety of injuries is much higher and the quantity of them and so you are doing well if you get a game where there's no blood um yeah. whereas <laughs> any other sport <laughs> that can be quite rare um so you know like football it's a bad day if someone's got a nosebleed rugby that's normal yeah <laughs> so in 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 rugby that's obviously your your the first sport that you worked in so was it quite daunting uh seeing the level and the severity of these injuries in your first real job or because I, I imagine this job you can't be sort of squeamish or anything like that but w- did you were you taken by surprise uh sort of i mean i'm quite um i don't think sadistic is the word but they're not but i'm not squeamish at all and think I've seen I'm one of those people where you know something bad happens I like to have a good look at it and so I never sort of shied away from um, a bad injury but it could be shocking for other reasons so you know like the psychology um, side of it how it makes someone feel and if you're quite a caring person it's quite a difficult thing to deal with when someone's upset and and they're hurt and so I think that was the most shocking side of it and the blood and stuff was all fine. Hi Georgina. Um, obviously, with my role, I've worked with a few therapists, including in, including yourself. Um, but I suppose, do you have to have that hard skin then to work in uh, in that kind of industry? And I suppose, is it one of those things that when you have a, I suppose, a gory injury, 
is it one of them ones that you look forward to? Because I know this, I've, I've worked with one uh, sports therapist who gets really excited when there's like a, a quite a bad injury because it really gets to, I suppose, test their ability and test their skills. Yeah, who is injured, which sounds awful. Um, because if anyone with an injury, you've cut off a bit there. We're gonna have to. Re- Can we re-ask that one for you, Georgina? <clears throat> Hello, you there? Oh no, we've lost signal. Oh no. Sorry, just the, re-ask <coughs> it. We'll go again. The call's still active. It's fine. Yeah. Can you still hear us, Georgina? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, oh, we're you. just gonna. Do we just want to, me to ask it again? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, We're just yeah. going to ask it again. See, so look at that. It's only had one <laughs> cock up so far. It's all right. <laughs> right. We'll go again. Um, so yeah, Georgina, we've you've obviously well, I've obviously worked with a few kind of sports therapists stuff like that from my various roles at different kind of organisations, and um, I suppose the ones that I've well, not yourself, but other ones I've met, always get quite excited when they get to deal with kind of the quite gruesome and, and gory injuries, and the ones that are like really quite serious ones. Is that? I suppose something that you find as well, or is it just because it gets to test your abilities, or is it just you do with whatever's there and just kind of hope it's not as bad as it is? Um, it sounds really awful, but it depends who it's happened to. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you have your favourite player. That is brilliant. <laughs> that does sound awful. <laughs> so if it's someone on my own team and there's someone that I care for and I've got like a friendship with them and a good working relationship, it really bothers me when they're hurt and. I become quite motherly, um, which, as you know, working with me, I'm quite motherly anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so it it bothers me quite a bit. But when it happens to someone I don't have that attachment to, um, I don't really care. And (laughs) I find it quite interesting. (laughs) uh, We had an injury a couple of weeks ago where someone had an open fracture. um, So the bone had come through the skin. And it wasn't, it was the opponent's team. Their therapist was sitting with something else. So I dealt with him and I was like, oh God, this is like amazing. This is so much fun. (laughs) And and I had a student with me and I was like, oh, you know, how how brilliant is this, like being able to see this? And then their therapist came over and went into full on panic and was like the player was shouting at them. And I was like, oh, do you know, I'm just pleased that it's not me on the other side of that. Um, But I do, I do like a bit of gore. and, And like I say, it's, um, it is one of those things where you, just, you don't want to have to do something, um, but it's you get like a rush. Um, so after you've had a pretty bad injury and you've dealt with everything and you've kind of gone through all the steps that you need to go, and you can look back and see, actually, I did that really well and I managed the situation as best as I could, um, and everyone's kind of happy with that, you get like a really like sort of prideful feeling. Yeah, do you, do you think that it's important to be able to have that sort of on and off switch between uh, friendship and also uh, work? Because, like you say, when you when you're treating someone that you don't particularly have that that prior relationship with, it's it's not as uh, sort of emotional. But I suppose even when you are treating someone that you you have got a friendship with or just a you know a, a colleague in that sense, um, it's still obviously important to not let emotion get the better of you and to do a professional job so have you ever found that to be difficult or do, like when, when an injury happens are you sort of straight into work mode uh straight into work mode and then i kind of deal with the emotions afterwards um and it's not been unknown for me to have to deal with something and then i've gone and had a little cry afterwards um because it's been stressful and i feel sorry for whoever it's happened to um but yeah gen- generally I can sort of switch it off has it ever happened to you that you've been in a situation that 
after an injury has happened and after the adrenaline stopped, you've it, it's hit you hard emotionally. Yes, definitely. I think any time it's happened to someone, you know, a work colleague, if you like, that I consider to be a friend as well, I get quite upset. I suppose then <clears throat> I'll, I'll I'll pick up on Saturday. So when something happens like Lawrence Harvey, who I know has obviously been at Herne Bay mm-hmm. for for a few years, I suppose that's and is a, such a lovely guy. How difficult is that then to see him going through? Obviously, what the, the fractured cheek, I think, is what it was, or fractured cheekbone. How difficult yeah. is it to see someone like that, who we all quite know and we've always been quite a nice character, to, difficult to go through? It, yeah, it was very difficult. I mean, I was there from when it happened. I with him um, the whole way into the ambulance came. I went in the ambulance with him. I then went to the hospital with him, stayed with him until his family could get there, stayed with them for a bit longer to kind of explain what happened. And it wasn't until then that I went home. And then the next day I dropped in to see him. So I'm quite committed um, when it's someone that I care about. And and it's it's quite draining. So like the next day you feel really tired and you feel like you've dealt with a lot. And it, it's that adrenaline. It's the, it's the after effect of it. Um, but I just try and do my best for them, to be honest. You mentioned this um, relationship you've got with the players where, obviously, you, you become good friends with them. Do you think building that trust is, is important as a physio? Because, obviously, more often than not, you are responsible for for their season or, in some cases, their career. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm sure, from their point of view, they, they want to be able to trust you. So do you, do you make a, a conscious effort to, to build that trust? Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if... If you are a player and you've gone down and you don't know how serious your injury is, you need to know that there's someone there that's got you. Mm-hmm. Um, because your managers don't, your coaches don't, the fans certainly don't, they just shout abuse. <laughs> and players aren't that helpful, they'll just tell you to run it off and it could actually be something life-changing um, and career-ending. Um, so being able to have someone that you can turn to. And even the little things, you know, if, if, if it's not like a major injury and, and they've hurt themselves, and they give you a call on a, on a Tuesday night and they say, you know, I've been feeling this like, weird feeling in my hamstring. you kind of got to be there to reassure them because that could become something quite big and it could stop them from playing to their absolute performance. Um, so there needs to be that level of trust. They can phone you any time. Um, and when something does come quite tough, you're there for them. Speaking of trust, um, sometimes you see uh, stories about teams prominent teams maybe trying to rush their players back where would your loyalties mm-hmm. lie there if say your team came to you or your the, the coaches came to you saying can we have this player back sooner than you expect would your loyalties be with the player or with the team 100 percent with the player um and they are my priority i have countless arguments with managers and coaches over not having players come back um, just because they want to and, and they're not sacrificing um, my player for the sake of uh, of I they need to take the time and I think that it, we are lucky in that in the last few years there has been and how managers react to therapists and physios actually saying to them you know like this player needs the time um, whereas previously they would just play them anyway behind your back and it's still a struggle and it's even if there's a player that I can see is struggling on the pitch, I go and I say, manager, you know, like, like come off as soon as possible. You still have to put like a really good argument forward first. Um, otherwise, you're just not listened to. Yeah, um, we've got obviously the the, the wide variety, pardon me, of of injuries across all sorts of sports. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, rugby 
predominantly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is solely grass pitches. Then mm -hmm. ice hockey, <laughs> ice, believe it or not. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and then football, uh, especially in, in lower levels, uh, more and more nowadays, we're getting synthetic pitches, uh, either pure 3G, 4G, or um, at the top level, I know there's a sort of a synthetic mix, but they're, they're three pretty different surfaces there. How much of an impact do you think they all have on on the the injuries uh, that that players can pick up? I think a huge impact, um, and I think the problem comes more when you are switching between synthetic and grass pitches. So, if you have a team who is training on a synthetic pitch and they are playing on a synthetic pitch, and then that's it, you're going to have a lot less injuries. It's when they make the change between having their home game on a synthetic training on a synthetic and then go into an away game on a grass pitch because the biomechanics are slightly different and they move differently, um, different footwear to what they would usually wear and it has a huge effect um, and it can cause all sorts of issues. But you've also got the issues that come by um, there isn't a huge amount of research in some of the um, less costly synthetic pitches um, and how they affect joints. Um, so there's still research being done and there's a long time until we're going to get a good answer on how, on the effect of that um, in the long term. Yeah, so obviously in, in non-league football especially, it's becoming more and more popular because uh, it means games don't get postponed, it means that everyone can train on the same pitch, uh, mm -hmm. you can have multiple different people renting it out, etc. It's a great source of money. But as a physio, are you are you pro the, the synthetic pitches or against it? Because I know as you, as you mentioned there, it's quite a sort of a contentious subject at the minute. I mean, I'm pro because it means I don't get really muddy. Um, <laughs> Makes sense, yep. <laughs> which is a bit of a priority for me. <laughs> um, so you're fine but, with blood, but not mud. Is that, is that what we... Yeah, yeah, I don't do mud. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like having wet knees and, and <laughs> it's just not for me. Um, but I think I was quite against, you know, Herne Bay recently got... A synthetic pitch and at first I was really against it and I was concerned because we had lots of previous knee injuries in the team already and I was worried about how that was going to affect them um, but I haven't found that there's been too much of an issue um, you know experience wise so I may I may be converted um, to, to the synthetic pitches. Good stuff well I, I mean speaking from personal experience when I used to play on synthetic pitches and whatnot it used to everyone used to be reluctant to put in a slide tackle in in the uh, at the risk of getting a, a horrific little free 4g burn whatever they're called so <laughs> burns yeah. the worst thing. yeah i mean uh, keepers uh, as well yeah exactly yeah. so i used to love playing on the 3g when it was wet because then it felt like when you dived on it because of the keeper and you slid on it it didn't burn as much then again, yeah. I did damage both my knees on a 3g pitch so, <laughs> so i'm not their biggest fan so they like sprinkle the pitch before and then it makes it wet so they're not playing oh. on a dry pitch all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask, do you find players slightly more reluctant to put in that sort of last-ditch slide challenge or goalkeepers to maybe make that extra effort dive because they're playing on a synthetic pitch, whereas in grass, you know, or on grass rather, they're, they're a bit more sort of willing, willing to do it, at, in, in, my, in my mind at least, less risk of an injury. I don't know because if you look at some of the pitches in, in the league um, that we're in, we have a lot more synthetic. But if you were to kind of go down to the level that we were last season, 
um, in the Ishmael Southeast. We had some terrible grass pitches, and I think that's where they were reluctant because they were either really hard or they had loads of divots in, um, and they were reluctant because they knew that they come out with an injury if they tried. I, I can't say that I've experienced much reluctancy um, or hesitation in terms of tackles, um, but that could just be my team. Well, I mean, I suppose that's a that's a good thing, yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose it it's quite a can be quite a brutal question, but can can you tell us the most gory injury or most interesting injury <laughs> that you've in ever there, had to deal Mark. with? Just straight in, no PG. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so I'd probably say, um, like, how much how much information would you like on this? Go in detail. Let's do. Can we do one from each sport? Uh, rugby, ice hockey, and, and football. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. So rugby, I was a student, I was on my placement, um, and we had uh, one of our backs had the had the ball, and he was tackled, um, got up from his tackle, and he carried on running with what was clearly um, a very fractured ankle, um, oh. which was basically dragging behind him. <clears throat> he hadn't realised, <laughs> and the rest of the team and the you know opponent, they they all stopped. Um, because they were quite shocked at what happened to him, and he he just saw it, saw it as a as a try scoring opportunity, um, and just ran for it down the pitch. Did he score the um, try? <laughs> Commitment. Yeah, he did. Oh, <laughs> what a guy! What a guy! <laughs> um, the game had really sucked, and it wasn't until he was sort of laying on the floor that he looked down at his foot, and it was completely mangled, and he made it so much worse um, by sort of <laughs> yeah. carrying on running, um, and and just started screaming. Um, quite a bit um so I, that was that was pretty shocking that was my first like really shocking injury to, like, to deal with um and i think the the way that he reacted was incredible um <laughs> and then in ice hockey i was a fresh graduate i had just gone into it and um we had another ankle fracture um and he went on uh, I hate ice, by the way, with an absolute passion. I don't like the idea of falling. Went on in my trainers, went and dealt with him. It was very clear that he'd fractured it, but of course they wear huge boots. So I had to get the boot off in order to be able to assess the damage. And the moment we took... He wouldn't let me cut his shoelaces off either. Um, well, you've got to save, to you save the laces. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm just going to cut the laces. He was like, no, I need those. So <laughs> 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 they can't be that expensive. Um, and uh, cut the... Well, I... I untied his shoelaces for him, took the boots off, and the swelling was immediate. Um, and I said to him, look, you're going to have to, the most you can do is take some paracetamol. We're going to have to find an ambulance for this one. Um, and he was like, I don't want to go to hospital. And I was like, you're going to have to. You know, like, this is this is a serious injury. And someone from the crowd passed my beer down. Um, so we took two had a beer, and then we, we won the game. And he laid with his foot on the ice. Um, he went in a wheelchair and they wheeled him around the stadium and uh, what, he decided that he was going to go on a night out. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy was crazy and decided he was going to go, it was actually in Sheffield, um, decided he was going to go to Pop World. Nice. Oh, uh, on a nice out. Where every great night. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had so much respect for him. Yeah, Poor decision. Really. <laughs> um, it, obviously, this is all against the advice I've given him. I've told him absolutely not. Uh, you need to go to hospital. He's treatment, and he ended up phoning his wife at 3 a.m. from the strip club 
saying that his ankle hurts and he needed to go to hospital. Um, and it turns out he broke it in seven places and had to have a huge amount of surgery the following day. Wow. That story went in so many different directions. <laughs> I just, just did not see it coming. Being wheeled around the ice ring like a hero, going to pop one, end up in a strip club at 3am. Wow. I mean, this guy was in his 40s as well. Like, he was not. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was like young chap. Well, I think football's got a lot to live up to, hasn't it? I was going to say, yeah. Good, good luck beating <laughs> yeah. that with football. <laughs> Um, and then football, um, aside from the open fracture that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'd say we had pretty bad fracture. Kamani Thomas um, was tackled by two opponents um, and they sort of chopped his leg um, and he ends up with a tib-fib um, fracture, uh, which required surgery um, a couple of days later. Um, and that was pretty, pretty bad. Um, but generally things have been okay in football. Two of those injuries you said was ankle, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so along those lines, is that, well, is ankle the most common injury that you come across, the most common place for injury, or, or is there more? Uh, I'd say ankles and knees, definitely. And I, I'm guessing you're used to dealing with that then, it's, it's quite, if it's common, you're... Is that is that like the bread and butter? Would you say if you, if you see someone go down holding their ankle or their knee, it's like right, yep, yeah, here we go, Done here we go, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think we can all say that we all have bad ankles. Um, I don't know anyone that can say that they've got a stable ankle and that they don't roll over on. <laughs> and quite often, um, it's an, an old injury that's come back and um, and they will roll their ankle slightly and they'll have a fat ankle, um, end up with an ankle sprain. Um, never had anything too bad, but unfortunately, in in football, when it's a knee injury, it tends to be a bit of a, a stopper for at least a few weeks. You get meniscus and the ACL um, is always a bad one, and then uh, quite a few MCLs as well. So bringing it back to to Kimani, um, obviously, mm-hmm. I believe he's relatively young, isn't he? Um, <clears throat> yeah. How difficult is it then for for you and the emotional side of it to see quite a young footballer who's obviously probably got the rest of his you know what ten fifteen year career or whatever ahead of him? Could potentially be playing at a much higher level. How difficult is it then for you to see him, not just in the pain that he was in, but then obviously realise that he's potentially out for a, an incredibly long time, at least a, probably a year or so. But you know, the emotional side of it for him, how difficult is it for 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 yourself to get over seeing that? But also, I don't suppose for him mentally to the mental resilience he's going to need to get over an injury like that. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Kamani, um, when he fractured his leg, had the best reaction I've ever seen. Um, to to such a, a bad injury, he sort of was there um, and just had a chat um, whilst he waited for the ambulance. Um, had a bit of a giggle, kept asking me to take photos of it. Um, so he and so he was good. He, I think slightly in shock, <laughs> but he was okay to begin with. And then um, we, I went in the ambulance with him. So very much the same story as Lawrence went went in the ambulance, got to hospital, and it wasn't until we were at hospital that the panic sets in, and you can see how upset someone is um and how they realize the severity of what's happened to them and that in itself is quite heartbreaking never mind it being uh, you know a young a young football player who it's his first um first team pick um looking at going pro um just trying to gain some experience and absolutely loving his football and doing really really well in this as well and then you kind of see all these different thoughts that are going around his head um and unfortunately Kamani's family lives quite far away and they couldn't get there straight away and I think that in itself was difficult as well. Um, I had to try and shield him of the horrors of QEQM um, in, in A&E, um, which was shocking all around. Um, 
and it, it was just it was just very very difficult very very emotional have you ever had to deal with a career ending injury before it depends what you mean by career career ending because it depends on the person so a lot of people can come back from from injury um so even the guy with the fractured ankle in ice hockey he came back and he still plays ice hockey he's now their captain um so although that could have been career ending had he not had the resilience to come back um i haven't experienced anyone who's never been able to play sport again that's good um, talking about uh, the football player that you're on about, he's, you said that he had a really good reaction to his injury. Have you ever come mm -hmm. across someone who's had a really awful reaction to when they got injured? Yeah, you get quite a few people that become quite aggressive yeah. um, and uh, very angry, and you just have to take the brunt of it, to be honest. It's usually shock. It's usually um, they are frustrated at the situation. They don't really understand what's going on, and, and it's quite a normal reaction, and I've had some proper abuse held at me before. Um, but that's usually the worst it gets is, is the aggression. And and how do you deal with that, really? You just have to stay calm and <laughs> pretend like they're not telling you horrible things about yourself. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's definitely... That's where it, where it shows how thick-skinned you are. Um, even players that you have great relationships with that you're, are your friends and, and people that you talk to daily... Um, even when it comes to it and, and times get tough, then even they can get quite nasty. And you just have to kind of put that to the side and say, you know, well, they are in a lot of pain. You are the closest person to them um, and uh, you're trying to manage this. And so it's, it's part of your job just to take it. And then you can discuss it later if they said anything really horrible. Just on the back of that, obviously, this is this podcast is looking at the, the people sort of behind the scenes in, in football that maybe go... A bit, a bit of sort of the unsung hero. So, you mm -hmm. you receive this sort of um, this flack from people when you are doing ultimately just doing your job. Do you think, mm -hmm. obviously, away from that, on the whole, would you say that you you feel like physios um, and you in general have a, a, a well thought of and a, a sort of thought of as highly as they should be because. Your your job is ultimately one of the most important. You know, without you, players don't mm -hmm. make it onto the pitch. So, in the on the whole, would you say that you know the you, you're well received as a physio? No. Really? Why is that? Yeah, not at all. Um, I think when the the it goes the same for any backroom staff. I think you, the players are the face of football. Um, and no one, not even the players, really understand how much work you put into it. And clubs are very reluctant to, and it, and it comes down to multiple things. It comes down to pay. It comes down to the respect um, and on and off the pitch. Um, but it's quite a thankless job. Mm. Um, it's only when you get something wrong do people notice you. They never notice when you get something right. I think in my time in football, I've had one so three years I've had one thank you publicly um, for the work that I've done wow. and I was told I was alright Blimey is, is that just football would you say or is that across all, all the sports that you've worked in? I think rugby is slightly better I think there's a bit more respect there for, for the therapists and the physios I think yeah. uh, even the rules are slightly different to reflect that if uh, there's been a, an injury you just run on you go deal with it and the ref will stop the game 
in football, the ref makes the decision, um, which you can argue is a good and bad thing. Um, you are confined to a box, which is very, very difficult um, to try and, and understand what's going on with your players. Um, sometimes it means you're really far away from them. Um, and I don't think even the rules in football reflect the, the respect that, that there should be for physios and therapists. How would you go about changing that if you know if you if you had a magic wand, let's say, and there there was there was a way of of solving that? What would you what would you say that is? I think that therapists and physios should be able to deal with things as and when they happen, as opposed to having to be waved on by a referee because with you know i have i do have a lot of respect for referees um which is probably going against a lot of people's views but they don't know how serious an injury can be um i've had arguments with referees on the pitch where i've seen a really bad head injury and they are not moving and i've run straight on because to me that's serious that's life-threatening and i've then been bollocked on the sorry i've been bollocked on the pitch um for, for running on and that's very, very difficult um, because you're trying to do the best for your player, but you've got these restrictions in place, which mean that you then can't actually go and look after them and deal with them as best as you can. You have to be invited on with someone who does not have the best medical knowledge, um, who ultimately just wants the game to be done um, and is done in a quick manner, um, and, and that's not the case. And, and even, you know, like Kamani's injury, um, there was a big argument whether or not the game should be abandoned because I refused to move him off the pitch because of safety. And you still get a bit of a, a bit of an argument there um, from from players and, and management and the refs um, because they want to get the game done um, when you know my priority is the player that's laying on the floor in in a huge amount of pain um, who is very very upset about what's happened um, and I'm just trying to do what's best for them. Do, do you find that is coming from the opposition team or the opposition fans or do you get it from from your own side as well? I think you can get it from your own side. I think because they're acting in the moment. I don't think anyone's trying to make my job more difficult on purpose or they're not trying to um, question my decisions, but I think they act how they feel in the moment. And sometimes that is, you know, come on, like, come on, G, just move them off. It'll be okay. Um, and, you know, I, I can't stand there and say, you know, that there's all these risks involved if I do move him. They don't understand that. So I can't really blame them. But I think if there were rules some in some place, to say that the therapist gets to make a decision and that decision is final based on the health of the player, uh, I think it would make my job a lot easier and I wouldn't be questioned. In, in rugby union, they have an um, independent match doctor at the, at the highest mm -hmm. level. Do you think that would mm -hmm. help if that was brought in across all sports? Um, because then it would offer the chance that, that what they say is final and you literally cannot be forced to listen to coaches and stuff. Yeah, I think it, I think it would, but... You're always going to have, like, you know, your lower leagues and sometimes that's where the worst injuries occur. Um, and in terms of funding, there just isn't the funding for it. And so that's always going to be a barrier. But I think in higher levels, absolutely, there should always be. And I think you could look at the decision uh, made in the uh, World Cup recently where the Iranian goalkeeper had a collision with one of his own players mm -hmm. and ended up with a very bad head injury and... They squirted a bottle of water with him, left him on the pitch. He was he was there for nine minutes before they decided to take him off. He stood up and fell back down. Um, to me, that should have been a decision from a doctor much higher up saying, you know, like, he needs to come off now. That is a brain injury. Um, it's very, very clear. Replace him, get that ready, as opposed to having all these hesitations and 
someone a bit of heavy and water and squirting out on, like make, thinking it's going to make things better. Um, does it really I think even on the world you? stage, we don't have those. Sorry. Does it really frustrate me? Yeah, does it really frustrate you watching on TV and seeing things like that happen? Yeah, because it's on the world stage and that should be the best of the best. And I think a lot of the pressure there was from coaching staff and, and management and also other players. There was another player telling him just to get up and, and get on with it. And that should never have been overruled. The, the medic's decision should have been final. Um, and that's frustrating. But you, I don't look at, you know, I watch Premier League. I'm a, unfortunately a, an Everton supporter. And <laughs> you watch games. <laughs> you, I mean, that was a bit harsh, but you watch games. <laughs> Slightly uncalled for. Um, you watch games and you see um, the physiotherapist and the therapist go on to deal with things. And I can't fault them because I don't know what's being said between them and the player. Um, so I don't find that as frustrating. But when it's something so so clearly um, badly, you know, a bad decision is made, that that's very frustrating. I'm sure it's very frustrating for if you are a football sporter and you're watching a game and the ref has made a decision that's not quite in your favour, I imagine that could be quite frustrating. So it's the same sort of thing, really. Um, would you say that, because obviously nowadays there's so much more science that comes into it, even uh, it would seem uh, further down sort of the, the football pyramid and all, all sport pyramids, really. Um, how much work have you done alongside uh, sports science departments and that kind of thing? Because that's obviously become a, a really big part of, of mm -hmm. sport nowadays so I currently work at the University of Kent um, as I've got two roles uh, so I teach and I lecture um, and I also help run the student-led clinic and aside from student-led clinic we also have a performance testing lab um, so we get athletes in um, and, and it does work quite well you know the biomechanical analysis we can understand how players move and how we can um, we can work to the, their advantages, really, and their strengths. Um, so I have got some experience with it, but having only ever really worked in um, non-elite football and non-elite rugby, um, and then in ice hockey, they didn't really have that kind of, you know, it's, it's not a sport in the UK that has a lot of funding behind it. So even though it was elite sport, um, it wasn't really something that was available to us. Absolutely. And, well, just, uh, I guess, on the on the topic of the new roles coming into sport um obviously this is the sporting backbone podcast where we talk about people behind the scenes and i guess my final question would would be for, for you we've, we've spoken about how physiotherapy and all this sort of the, the physios etc are underrated in your opinion um if you could mm -hmm. pick another job behind the scenes at, at any sort of sporting organization that goes a bit under the radar and doesn't get the praise they deserve um, which would that be? Kitman. Really, why is that? 100%. Because they do so much. So, you know, like shout out to Aaron at Herne Bay because I've never known anyone so committed to a team <laughs> in my life. You know, he is there before anyone turns up. He is there after. And he makes mistakes. But no one ever says, well, everyone says thank you because we make him, we make them. But no one ever realises quite how much he does, you know, even little things, I turn up and he's put my radiator on in my room so I don't have to go and work in a cold room. And he will wash my towels for me. And he goes above and beyond. And I think most kit men do. And I think they are underpaid, undervalued, and I don't think they get the shout-outs that they deserve. 
I, I feel like that might be a popular answer when we ask more people that question because, yeah, kit mm -hmm. men seem to get quite a lot of praise. I feel like more so after players retire, I, I seem to think a lot of people, if they go back to a club, because kit men are usually the ones that stay there for 15, 20 years, when they eventually go back, no, they seem to be the uh, the ones that everyone's pleased to see. So, yeah, that I'm sure that'll be a popular answer. Georgina, thank you mm -hmm. very much for joining us. That's been a unbelievably insightful interview um f a, a, about as much gore as i was expecting as well which is good <laughs> just just about as much as i could handle so uh, yeah, yeah. you should be lucky i haven't sent photos in yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, yeah thank god this is just an audio yeah. Yeah. <laughs> georgina thanks a lot for joining us and uh yeah best of luck for the rest of your career i suppose no problem thank you